Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. I have a spoiler alert. Take, take note. We're going to begin with the end. Listen to this, Revelation 12.10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now, now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. Now, when is now? Now past, now future? Words like salvation, power, kingdom, uh, they get my attention. Would seem to point to something rather spectacular, not to mention this verse is in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, and in context appears to point to an end time event. The now is Satan's removal from the heavens, where he's had access to the ear of God, bringing accusation against believers day and night. Let's look back at at verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, that's Satan, he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Now, here's the beginning point of the Great Tribulation. Satan and his demonic powers are cast to the earth to take up a, a full residence in a man who now becomes the man of sin, or, or we know him as the Antichrist. Verse 10, that's our now verse, shows the true church rising to the occasion as it now experiences the absolute fullness of salvation. As in the book of Acts, the accuser of the brethren has been cast to the earth. He no longer can accuse us before God. Thus, the church walks in a a fullness of the Spirit, overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, not loving our lives even unto death. The heavens rejoice while the earth is now subject to the three woes, and we'll get to that. This is an important moment, and I must say, not not often spoken of in the church or or much considered. This is this is not the moment of Christ's return. Something else has taken place here three and a half years earlier. Salvation, the power of the kingdom. If that isn't the end, then how close is it to the end? Now has come the time Satan is cast to the earth. The heavens have been cleared of the accuser. He no longer can point to our unworthiness and our shortcomings. He's done a masterful job at that throughout the millennia. In a, in a concealed sense of sorts, uh, uh, this great now, this happening in Revelation 12.10 is, as I said, before Christ's return, when, when Satan is finally bound. He isn't bound in this now event. He now begins his unprecedented outworking of wrath, first against Israel, then to the saints. Satan, who has resisted Israel's restoration and the salvation and power promised to the church, has been cast out of the heavens by Israel's angelic prince, Michael, and thus begins the unprecedented glorious outworking of all the church was intended to be the power of the kingdom on the earth during the final three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. But we must ask, why now? This is not the return of Jesus. This is the beginning of the the power and might of the church. 
in its mission to the nations during the Great Tribulation. This is the time of the Great Anointing, the two witnesses operating in signs and wonders in the, in the Church of Christ Jesus, the wisdom of the masculine, moving in great anointing, doing great exploits, instructing and turning many to righteousness. Listen to Daniel 11.32. He, that's the Antichrist, he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand. I'm be, uh, belaboring this uh, because in all my years in and around the church, and I have a few, I can't ever remember this being emphasized, and probably for good reason. The prominent teaching was, and really still is, the church has been removed from the earth prior to this now event. It's abundantly clear in the Bible how this transition between heaven and earth begins. One has been holding back. One has been resisting exposure. One knows he has a short time left. Paul points that out in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's read verses 7 and 8. For the mystery of lawlessness, that's the mystery of iniquity, is already at work. Only he, Satan, now restrains, he resists exposure, and he will do so until he is out of the way. And then, a timing indicator, and then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Jesus is coming, three and a half years later. Regardless of who the Antichrist proves to be, if the words of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 can be taken literally, Jesus will not return until the Antichrist is disclosed and exposed. Let what, no one let no one deceive you in any way, for that, that day, the day of the Lord, will not come unless the rebellion comes first, that great falling away, and the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of destruction. Scripture shows clearly Satan must be removed from the heavens. Let me read it again. It's a, it's a timing indicator that will be necessary for the church to know. It's about to enter the great tribulation. Revelation 12, 7, this is our verse. Now war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent, who's called the devil and Satan. He's fully identified here. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, that, that brings us to our so-called spoiler verse, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been cast down or thrown down, who accuses them, who accuses the church day and night before God. This begins the great tribulation, exactly what Jesus showed in, in Matthew 24, our previous study. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, 
standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. What are we to understand? Know and comprehend this man has undergone a demonic transition in character and being. When you see this man of sin enter the newly constructed temple claiming himself to be God, let's understand what's happening here. A transition has occurred in the heavens that will affect the earth. John tells us in verse 12, Therefore rejoice, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. There now, an open heaven. That's an open heaven he's describing there. The Satan forcefully removed to the earth and is now taken up an embodiment in the Antichrist. The heavens are rejoicing because the accuser of the brethren has been removed from the cosmos and is now an earth dweller in a man, a man of flesh and blood. Where Christ is fully fullness of deity, the fullness of deity, the Bible says, in bodily form, fulfilling the mystery of the gospel, this incarnation of Satan is a man vacated of the Holy Spirit and fulfills the last great mystery of the kingdom, the mystery of iniquity. You know, I, like, like many of you, have been in meetings where a minister speaks of an open heaven. Now, I, I don't question the sincerity of issuing such a revelation, but for the life of me, I've just never had that experience of seeing an open heaven. Now, I'm not suggesting such an experience is not valid or impossible. It's that a man with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. But what I believe will be true in the time period we're talking about here is that with the removal of Satan from the place of accusation, there will be an open heaven of access and grace that will be unprecedented. While we can argue that, that Pentecost in the upper room 2,000 years ago was the birth of the apostolic anointing on the church, there were only 120 present for that great outpouring. I suggest, I suggest this open heaven, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the great now transition to come, will find hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of believers in upper rooms all over the world in prayer and travail, being filled with the Holy Spirit in preparation for the outworking of the power of the gospel prior to the Lord's return. My brothers and sisters, now, now that will be an open heaven. I believe we can find significant connection between the believer's response to the flesh you know, that veil that continues to invade the conscience with accusation and offense, a weakness of faith that condemns our hearts before the Father. Listen to what John says in, in 1 John chapter 3. Whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You know, God has a way of seeing things as they really are. He knows our condition, a much more reliable assessment than how we view ourselves during 
accusation, and condemnation from the enemy. Something has happened with the casting down of Satan that the accuser loses access to our consciousness and the veil of the flesh begins to lift. I suggest this will be the experience of the true church. While simultaneously, it's a woe to the earth because the devil has come down to you. Listen to Revelation chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Rejoice in the heavens, and you who dwell in the heavens. It's a good thing. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. That's the beginning of the tribulation, the great one, because he knows his time is short. This is also the time of great breakthrough that anoints the two witnesses with power. And I believe the company of believers entering the great tribulation with salvation, power, and the authority of the Spirit. A corporate church crying out day and night in intercession and travail, garnering the wisdom and the strategies of the Spirit for the challenging days ahead. There's a correlation here, the correlation between the the depth of the believer's spiritual intimacy and the accuser's access to the conscience. This will require an inordinate amount of time in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm chapter 91. Read it. Certainly an analogy of Daniel's great breakthrough when the angel Michael dislodged the opposing prince of Persia, paving the way for for one of the most panoramic views of prophetic revelation. This is coming to the church in the future. Daniel is the key, his travailing prayer in perfect sync with the knowledge of the time. Daniel knew where he was in history, and he, he knew by prophetic revelation sent to him what was coming in the future, the time of the end. Just as John saw the spirit in Revelation chapter 13, the mortal wound of the beast rising up out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, One of the heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. The whole earth marveled at that wound being healed. It's a deadly wound. And they followed the beast, the Antichrist, the incarnation of Satan himself. Now, take note, they followed the man of sin, the Antichrist. This spectacular supernatural event, a man seen by millions raised from the dead, followed by the masses. But that's not the end of the story. Concurrently, the church calling loudly for a a time out, that things are not as they appear. This is the greatest deception in history. Meanwhile, the body of Christ is being endued with power, glory, and anointing. A church that has embraced the full prophetic evidence of the gospel, confirming confirming the warnings that have come from committed disciples of Jesus. Disciples overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And listen, not loving their lives, even unto death. Let's pray. Father, 
We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your prophetic character, Father, that you endow to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us know, understand, and see these events as they truly are. Prophetic scripture in your word. God, you have the plan. You have the plan to to, uh, eventually, Father, in this time frame, raise up Israel. Uh, The saints will be saved. Many, many will come to Jesus in an anointed manner at the end of the age. And the church of Jesus Christ will be right in the middle of that mix. Have mercy on us, Father, in these days as we navigate and negotiate the days ahead. And, and Father, give us understanding and wisdom and strategies and how we can move closer to your heart and your spirit, especially in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Maranatha, I'm Bill Nordstrom. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you.